Hello, newsies. Welcome to episode 77. We've done 70 of these, Kate. Yeehaw. Uh, 70 of Get the Flick Out of Here. Um, it, uh, okay, so um, I don't know why, but this movie popped into my head last week, and I was like, we, sh- we let's do this right now. We'll, we'll just do it. Um, and uh, I'm very glad it did, because I hadn't watched it probably for like eight or nine years. But it was one of my favorites when I was a kid. And unlike almost every other instance of this, I feel like the movie holds up. Uh, it's not like I'm watching going like, man, I was so dumb when I was 12. Like, I, I, don't, I, don't, have, I don't have any of those uh, thoughts while watching this. Honestly, like watching it back again, and because I am me, again Seven and times. again and again, like I, I, I watched it four times, once with the director's commentary on the DVD that I own. Um, so, uh, it's, it's really solid. Like they do a really, they do a really great job of like, of finding all of the possible things that go, well, uh, that this little thing would be a plot hole, but they, they plug it immediately. They say, well, don't be a plot hole. Now the science is off the wall, can't possibly be done, but the movie kind of recognizes it and says, yeah, this is, this is nuts. Um, the because it is a Joe Dante film, who did Gremlins, Gremlins Two, which we did, and The Burbs, which we uh, reviewed. Oh, okay. So he, now. Joe, if you're out there, you are uh, so far undefeated on Get the Flick Out of Here. Yeah, we we have to actually make up a bowling trophy that says the Keep It In Award, and then we can present it to the people whose films we we keep in. Um, but so far. We both we kept we kept in Gremlins too. We kept in the Burbs, uh, and let let I guess we should see if if he has got a perfect record uh, going in with Inner Space. Uh, but I I was I I forgot how charming the movie is. Oh my gosh, um, Martin Short is like he's just you, you just how can you not be in love with that guy the whole time? Yeah, yeah. he's the he's, best. It's it's great. Um, the uh, the thing I will say is uh, that it won an Oscar. For best visual effects, um, uh, and uh, almost all of the shots inside the body are all done practically with a camera. Yes, up close to whatever. Like, there's some really cool stuff. the The, the visual effects supervisor uh, is on the director's commentary on this DVD I watched, and so he would explain how they did that, um, all these different things. And um, <laughs> Roger Ebert, when he was reviewing it thought it looked so real that he said it must be actual footage of inside the human body that they then overlaid a little craft, the little little submersible pod. They overlaid that onto actual footage of the human body. And and they, they said, it, it, nothing has given me greater pleasure than, than to write a letter to Roger Ebert and say, no, it was all fake. I, I faked it. I faked it. That's amazing. <laughs> oh, I so love that's, that. That's great. Um, I feel like it succeeds because... Overall, and then we can get into it. But, like, so many times I feel like when we watch movies, especially this came out in 1987, I think. Mm-hmm. It, like, they always try to do way too much. Like, way yeah. too much, way too much. And this was, mm-hmm. it's a wacky little thing. It definitely still mm-hmm. fits our weird criteria. Right. But it it stays the course the whole time really like there's right. not just like and then for some reason 
aliens are here or like right. <laughs> there's there's yeah. nothing it doesn't betray itself at any point and then no um i'm just there's some actors who i just love in everything they do like bradley whitford's one of them tom hanks is one of them uh martin short's like right there for me too i didn't i'd never heard of this movie i did not know this movie existed i quite like dennis wow. quaid and i love martin short so um as soon as I saw him show up in this, I was like, oh, sick. Like, this is going to be great. Uh, he's he's so... This was a, a young Martin Short, though, too, which I haven't, yeah. like, seen a lot it's of his, in a while. It's his, it's his second major film role after Three Amigos. Wow, okay. Like, he'd only he's, done TV stuff, but, yeah. Just charming. Just charming and really, like, um, pulls something so weird back into, like, a, a reality. Because it... Mm. it the way he was reacting the whole time, I feel like a lot of it is how you would react if something insane like this kind of was happening or whatever. Well, like it was, it's really when when yeah <laughs> when you when you when you add the the conditioning of uh, he's also a anxiety riddled hypochondriac, like he's the worst possible uh, uh, guy to have this thing happen to him. But the best possible if what you're looking for is comedy. Um, Correct, <laughs> and so that's that's why it works so well. Um, uh, yeah, the 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 writer of this, Jeffrey Bohm, who sadly passed away some years ago, um, uh, also wrote Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Um, he basically rewrote the entire script for Lethal Weapon One, and then actually wrote the, the scripts for Lethal Weapon Two, Lethal Weapon Three. Uh, he wrote Funny Farm with Chevy Chase, which I think is a really cute little mid eighties comedy. Um, he had a really cool like breadth of things. Uh, then he started being like creators for like uh, TV shows um, after this. But um, Joe Dante in the thing said that he's probably the smartest writer I've ever worked with. Um, and because I think a lot of that, he didn't actually say it, but um, because he finds all these possible loopholes and closes them. You know what I mean? Um, there's only like one or two that I'm like, I wish they would have dealt with this, but, that's honestly, there's not much, even for me, who's all. I was going like, to say, that's you. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Um, so uh, the movie starts out with a really cool little um, effect shot. You don't really know where the camera's moving through, but it turns out it's like the ice in a rocks glass. But it's all done in a really cool little little special effectsy type of way. Um, there, we are at some function for Navy pilots. People are going to get a medal or something. Um, and uh, the speech, you know, speech is interrupted by a guy loudly being shoved out of the kitchen uh, saying, where can a guy take a leak around here? This is Dennis Quaid. Well, we find out later his name is Tuck Pendleton. Um, and uh, he is drunk. And it does Drunkly appear drunk. from, he, he, it does appear from everyone's, um, uh, Reaction that this is normal for Tuck Pendleton. Um, and uh, he he tries to make a speech while very drunk and a toast and ends up uh, raising his glass too, hall, too high and falls over and, and destroys the hors d'oeuvres table, which has a lot of uh, fancy models of planes. Um, he used to be the a, a, a top, a top uh, notch test pilot for the Navy. And then and this at this the 70s through the 80s were a, a time of rapid uh, um, uh, advancement in in all kinds of 
um, things you could drive, fly, or dive under the sea with, uh, especially for the U.S. Navy, but they needed people who could test them. Um, and these people, uh, they knew when they would do it that there was a chance they wouldn't come back because it's a brand new piece of equipment. Um, and this is something that you have to have a certain kind of uh, mental state and uh, personality to be somebody who does this for a living. Uh, and um, uh, I think that they don't really go into it. It's the 80s. So um, just a guy being a, being drunk at a party is just a thing that happens all the time and nobody should look into it. He has a serious alcohol problem. Yeah. And the, 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 the movie never really deals with it. I think it's implied that now at the when they get to a happy ending at the end that he just won't drink all the time. But he's definitely going to keep drinking because the man is an alcoholic and has right. not sought any help for it. This um, is addiction. So Yeah. Yes. Oh my God, this is the worst. Tim, via con Dios, you have to frantically eat cheese due to a broken refrigerator. It is. I. I. Oh my I, God. I'm so sorry best. that you're in this situation. We have to eat cheese frantically. Um, I, 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 I'm very sorry for you, Tim. Um, so <laughs> the um, he gets whisked into the kitchen by a bunch of other test pilot type stuff. And they're, you know, you're a disgrace, Pendleton. Why don't you take off that uniform? And then he gets into a fist fight with a bunch of them. Uh, he's he's a smart cookie, though, because he picks up a pot and one of the guys punches the pot, probably breaks his hand. But he gets into a big fight with him. And then there's um, uh, another guy whose name is Pete, um, who's a, a uh, I was going to say co-worker, but I don't feel like that's actually the apt description in the Navy. Um, but he's a he's an officer who knows Pendleton. And he's like, you, you, you know, you, you gotta. He's like, Where, where's your uniform, Pete? Where yours should have been a long time ago, hanging in the closet. Um, and so it appears as though he, his career in this kind of thing is fully done now. No one's gonna hire him. This is just the, the latest in a series of him being terrible at this. Um, and so Meg Ryan is uh, an investigative reporter who is uh, who is there to report on whatever's going on. Um, but also sees um, her ex-boyfriend, Tuck Pendleton, just doing Tuck Pendleton stuff, and she feels bad for him, so she takes him home uh, to his disgusting apartment um, that is just covered with crap everywhere. It's not disgusting. It's just cluttered would be an understatement. Um, Hoarder-ish. I would say hoarder-ish. Yeah, um, but he she notices that there's all these pictures of rabbits everywhere. Um, what do you? There's a model of a rabbit. It's like, what are you doing? I'm. It's a, some some project I'm working on, like with rabbits. Yeah, rabbits. Uh, and he tries to convince her to stay the night because he's drunk, and uh, you know, and uh, and she says no until he puts on their favorite song, which is "Cupid" by Sam Cooke, which is a great song to have be your favorite your your song as a couple. And uh, they slow dance and kiss, fade to black. Oh, Lydia, Meg Ryan, you, you, you let him do it to you again, sweetheart. Oh. It, it's, it's time to make a clean break, I think. Um, and this is the fun thing about Joe Dante is that I forgot that this was directed by Joe Dante. And I, we talked about this with Gremlins 2 and with the Burbs. He's got a set, um, like a troop of players that are in all of his movies. He always brings people back that were in his movies before. 
And so this is Dick Miller from Gremlins, Gremlins to the Burbs, who's a, he's a very small part. And uh, he said, I, I think Dick agreed to this because he got an all expenses paid weekend to San Francisco <laughs> because it really is a very small part. It's super um, small. But it, but it is very is he's um, he's the cab who's supposed to pick her up. And Dennis Quaid runs uh, out after her, just wearing a sheet wrapped around uh, his uh, his midriff. Um, and uh, and it's like, this is good for you, sweetheart. You should make a clean break. Will you shut up, cabbie? Get in your cab. Um, but um, he's trying to be like, no, come on. We're, you know we're just going to get back together. So please don't do this. Like, I, I know I was an ass last night. I'm really sorry. I'm, I'm going to get better. And she's like, no, I can't. This is different now. Um, and I, this is where I'm going to like have to like do some research on, on, and wonder what, what's going on. But anyway, um, she says, I, it hurts me too much to be with you. And, um, and he, um, she gets in the thing and he says, look, Lydia, I, I stubbed my toe when I kicked the cab. I think it might be broken. She says, better your toe than your heart. And they drive off, but his sheet is caught in the door. So they just stand in there stark naked in the <laughs> middle of one of the most photographed streets in the world, a specific street in, in San Francisco that goes down a very steep hill and sees all the businesses and, and high rises of San Francisco. Um, and, and then we get, uh, that's it. So she goes, um, she leaves him. And then we get a little title card that says two months later. So it's two months later, two months have passed. And, um, and now we get into the real meat of the story. It's true. So a few things with this. My sister's name is Lydia and her name never gets to be in movies. So it was really nice to see (laughs) all she gets is Beetlejuice and nothing else. (laughs) (laughs) And good for my sister. Good for Lydia. Yes. Taking a stand here. But yes. um, Yeah, this was this. This cast is it's so fun to see people who like. I guess after Three Amigos, Martin Short was probably pretty like blown up or whatever but like it's very fun to see like young meg ryan again and um she had only done that part in top gun where she was goose's wife wow okay that yeah, was yeah. it so it's that fun. was it this both like... both she and martin short came in to read for the parts and blew everybody away and the producers were like we would like somebody that with name recognition who can you know help sell tickets and then they saw her test reading and were like no you can hire her she's perfect she's the one <laughs> so, what I was thinking about, because when we did Joe versus the Volcano, mm-hmm. um, like I hadn't seen Meg Ryan in anything but this role that we saw here. Like I had only right. seen her and she's great at it. So I get yeah. it. But she's just been like rom-com gal, rom-com mm-hmm. gal. Um, but it's it's kind of fun to see her in these these earlier roles a little bit. Um, but it is it is funny how many tropes we keep stumbling into. I'm like, how many movies have we done with an investigative reporter? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> but we also do ones where people would be investigative reporters would be um, covering a lot of stuff, right? Of like weird right. Right. dinosaurs and aliens and the things that we sure. do. So it's, it's I mean, fair. It's actually be, fair. A, a lot of screenwriters started out as reporters on some local paper. So that's like, write what you know. And there so you it, go. It winds, it winds up being that they they know at least if they weren't, they have friends who were, and they could call them up and say, "Okay, I'm, I got this scene where the investigative reporter is trying to do. How would this come up? You know, kind of a thing, and they can help get help with that." Anyway, um, this is where we meet uh, Jack Putter. Um, he's in his doctor's office. A thing that happens a lot, as as, as the doctor says. Um, 
your 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 usual visits are the cornerstone of my entire medical practice which is why i was like okay i don't i don't know i was too young i don't know what the state of medical insurance in the states was in 1987 but this this guy does not make nearly enough money to that his his insurance company would drop him if he was just going um all the time but he's a he's a hypochondriac who believes he's got pounding headaches and asthma and all these things he's obviously a hypochondriac uh but he tells his doctor who's a very well-meaning very nice older older guy who's his doctor um and uh it says um he relates a dream he still has nightmares in this dream that he talks about is that um he is a grocery clerk now it is said uh, later that he is the assistant manager at the Safeway where he works. So perhaps that helps out. But um, <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, he's ringing up a bunch of stuff uh, at this register and it, everything is, is way more expensive than it should be. And when he gets done, it's way up over $100,000. And the woman who he's ringing up, uh, who this horrible woman with bright orange hair, uh, sideburn Becky Lynch. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, uh, I don't know why... Bright orange hair has to mean she's horrible, not Martin Short. I mean, judge everybody according to themselves as opposed to just a blanket statement. All women with bright orange hair are, are horrible. I just yeah. don't feel like that's, that's yeah. okay. Um, Haley but, Williams uh, in the mud, too. Just yes. wrong. Uh, <laughs> so uh, she, um, I don't I don't carry that kind of cash around me, with me, sweetie. She pulls out a tiny little Derringer pistol. And that's when he wakes up screaming. Um, and of course, they time it out perfectly because Martin Short is brilliant. Also, Joe Dante would say um, um, that that um, Martin insisted on doing more and more and more and more and more takes. And the thing of it is, is he was always right because we always use the last take. Wow. He'd, he'd always come in and he'd do something and it was good. And then he'd do it again and it was better. And he would keep doing it up to like 10 takes. And always the last one was the best because he found, wow. found something new. Uh, 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 he's the, there's like, there's a really great thing where he's, um, he's telling the story to his doctor. Who's like, like kind of just doing a little pounding on his back to like, see how he reacts when he's breathing in. Uh, but every time he does it, it stops him. It stops him. It stops him. And he's like, it, 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 the way he does it, it's it's so brilliant. And he says, says he says, Joe Dante says none of this stuff. That pick the funniest thing that Martin Short does in the movie. It's not in the script. It's not in the script. None of it's in the script. It's wow. all Martin Short. It's all Martin Short doing all this stuff. Um, and he said that he. Martin Short would uh, do one of his impressions, which was Catherine Hepburn. Um, and he would like, I just want another take, Joe. One more. Give me one more take. Um, and he would do that. And it's like, I can't say no to Catherine Hepburn. Who, who, can who could say no to and, Catherine Hepburn? And I think that's a really, that's a really cool story. You know, there's um, something kind of special with that, too, because I feel like, um, well, one, you're an actor, so I'll I'll throw the right. question to you of like, do you do you feel like you've ever instinctually known of like that was the one kind of thing? Or in live performances, even like on theater of just like, yeah, yeah that felt better than yesterday. And then two, yeah. with physical stuff, mm-hmm. I feel like that's even more of a thing. Cause it's like you might be giving yourself like that tick or whatever. And right. for someone that's like a hypochondriac, that's like a whole other level because it's like 
You just have right. to keep discovering stuff, but it's mm -hmm. not actually real because you're a hypochondriac, right? That's so right. it's like, well, I would react like this, but it's not actually a real condition. So that that doesn't totally surprise me. But he just is like, um, almost like with Pee Wee Herman, like there's just like that vulnerability that you find and you just want to like scoop him up and hug him so many points in this mm -hmm. movie. Um, such a, a special actor whom i feel like every performance that that guy's had i think part of the reason i'm so drawn to him as an actor is like it all feels like him but so different like there's signature him stuff but like this yep. is not father of the bride martin short or three amigos no. martin short like no, it all feels no, no. so 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 different but that's cool to hear because it he definitely yeah. found it on each one of those takes <laughs> yeah that's that's i mean like the the takes are are, are basically just um rehearsals um for a guy like martin short you know there's you, you're rolling but he's just rehearsing until he does it right and then that's the one you're gonna keep it's the same thing if you're doing a live performance where rehearsals are there for you to test out new ideas and different things and stuff like that and then you'll you'll find one that actually really works and you'll get to you'll keep it and do it over one um um i uh <clears throat> so anyway um he is told by his doctor take a vacation come on, just, just take a vacation um and uh and and maybe that'll help you relax because that's what you need to do. you need to relax um and uh and so he's that's he's decided that he, he will do that um um later at the very end of the of the movie it it addresses the thing that I was that I, that I was having con uh, a, a problem with here because Jeffrey Bohm is very smart and figures out how to address things. I was like, I don't know if it's the grocery clerk, even if he's an assistant manager, has the kind of savings to like to go, like yeah. I'm I'm because he's going to Mexico. Also, this this guy does not strike me as a person who has a passport. You know what I mean? Like it, <laughs> like he does not. Why why would he ever need to leave anywhere? Um, so, uh, but they, they, See, they I justify it as people take vacations. They can't afford all the time. So right. <laughs> that's, that's true. Uh, oh, but he seems like a guy who would be deathly afraid of like having credit card debt. Yes. You know what I mean? Agreed. Like everything's going to be perfectly metered out. Uh, but, but they mentioned at the end, it was two years savings for his to go on his cruise. So yeah, there you go. So um, sweet. um, he, um, so this is when we get to, um, Tuck in this uh, place where he's doing his, they're doing a miniaturization experiment, um, which is why he needed to study rabbits because he's going to be shrunk down and ejected into a rabbit. That's his whole thing. And this is, there are all kinds of ways that this is going to result in the death of Tuck Pendleton, but <laughs> no, no, no Lydia. He doesn't have his commission at the Navy anymore. Honestly, I, I'm the only one crazy enough to do it. They're probably paying him a good amount of money. Um, but also if, if I, if I go, that's fine. Honestly, I don't really, I don't have kids. I'm, I'm not I'm, leaving anything I'm good. behind. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, um, but they mentioned something of like, can we please go over this, um, the facial neuro scan something experiment, which is part of the thing that they were going to do in there's a, there is a, a scientific process later in the film. That seems completely, obviously, this could be made up. But also, why would you need to be able to do this if you're inside a rabbit? Um, but apparently, they want to 
chess to make sure the thing works because they want to be able to do it later. And they want to make sure the technology works. So they're going to have him test it out. So that's why he's able to do it later in the film because he was always supposed to do it when he was even when he was in the rabbit. And I love that the movie um, <laughs> brings that up. There's the, the, the head do scientist. We, do we find out? I can't remember. Do they say why, like, there wasn't an army of rabbits that we were trying to get to, right? Like, do they say why why we're shrinking? Why it's a rabbit specifically? I can't remember. Well, and a, I don't have it in my notes. That, no, I mean it's it's the first attempt. This is the first time anyone has done this with a person inside the pod. They've been able to shrink the pod but, down, but and bring it back. What up. is the what is the value of having an extremely tiny person? Um, I feel like well, they- I the in the original Fantastic Voyage, which this is a takeoff on. Um, they shrunk a submersible down and injected it into somebody because they could not operate on a part of the brain of this person who had like vital Cold War era secrets. Gotcha. Um, they okay. had to like they had to save him so they could wake him up and ask him the secrets. But he had a, a blood clot in his brain from an assassination attempt by the Ruskies, and they they could not operate on that part of the brain without killing it. From the outside, so they needed from, to make a teeny the, tiny person. From the go in inside, they could have done that to like remove the blood clot, wake him up, get him out of the coma. So I don't. Maybe it's that. I don't know. But they're just testing it on a rabbit. It was not like we have to make. <laughs> we got to make sure there are little tiny men in every rabbit in America. Well, that's uh, what I that was, was just. Yeah. It was. I couldn't remember, and that's something that you would have a problem with. Is what is the point yeah. of shrinking someone down to a teeny tiny one? I did not see what this was a take of either. Yeah. I had not yeah. seen that movie. So. Yeah, the, the Fantastic Voyage was a, was, a, was a classic from 1966. From the 60s, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, anyway, uh, the head scientist is uh, the, a man named Ozzy, um, who's just just such a nerd. And he's just so awkward about everything. But he really makes you feel like he's an actual scientist. Who does, yes. who's awkward around people and everything. And the reason is because he's not an actor. Um, he is uh, Joe Dante's usual director of photography, his usual cinematographer, who is uh, who was not doing this thing because they wanted a different look for this than the, the normal one that, that John Hora, his name, does for movies. And it was actually Steven Spielberg, who was the top producer on this movie, who, like, we were talking about, who, we want to get somebody... You know, somebody like John Hora to play this part. And Steven Spielberg was like, why not John Hora? Like, he's a smart guy. He can memorize lines. It's it, Honestly, it looks perfect. And he's great. And it, it, the, part, the reason he's so great is because you feel like he's an actual weird, awkward scientist guy. All the extras in these scenes also are all scientists from the Jet Propulsion Lab in, um, uh, in outside of, um, out, out of L.A., so they just get all these real scientist people. That's why they all look like real scientist people because, because they, they are, are real scientist people, which I thought was great. Um, you do get so, the impression that like, I always say this about there's certain musicians that like don't know how to talk to you. And I'm like, yeah, because they just lock themselves in the room and practice guitar right. scales for 20 hours right. a day. Like they don't do yeah. anything else. Yep. That, that kind of is how this guy read of like, I do science yeah. and I don't talk to anybody. <laughs> So while they are setting up to, to shrink down uh, Tuck Pendleton in his submersible pod um, and he um, and inject him into the, into the rabbit, um, uh, there is uh, a, a, an assault on the lab by guys in phone repair costumes. They also have 
these little uh, aerosol cans that I guess blows blow sleep gas at people. Um, and uh, very nice of them not to kill anybody. Uh, that was nice, except for at the end. Um, but um, they are there to hostily take all take the over. technology. Um, uh, the, the top person is Dr. Margaret Kanker, very beautiful woman, uh, 45-ish. I think even the last in name Kanker was I know. That's in my notes. Well, like, like, they, they give the other guy the last name, name. Scrimshaw. <laughs> like, everybody's got a, all the... All the I go. They all have weird. All the that's that's part of it. All these all these bad people have these weird sounding names. But anyway, um, so uh, they they um, they take the chip. There's a chip that's inside the um, the pod, and the chip that is outside the pod. You need both chips to re-enlarge. Um, so um, the the little pod is now shrunk down and inside a syringe. And Ozzy and this this woman, Dr. Margaret Kanker, apparently know each other professionally. Um, and uh, it feels like she wanted him to come and do work for their evil miniaturization project. And because he's really good at it, and he said no. Uh, so that's how they know each other. But um, it's never it's never brought up again. They, they recognize each other and talk to each other for a second. And then Ozzy runs over, grabs his wrench, knocks somebody out, and just runs. Uh, and, he, and he has this amazing chase scene. With a guy named Doctor I, Mister Igo, who has a, 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 a removable hand that has a, a gun in the little in the pointer finger. Uh, this is, is Vernon Wells, who was cool. in Road Warrior and Commando. Um, he doesn't speak in this, which is probably the best for Vernon Wells because he's a very imposing-looking dude, but his 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 voice is it does not uh, match how imposing he is. So no, not even a little. Something. It's very weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, Alex, anyway. my, my big thing with this is my maybe favorite thing you do, and you do a lot of things on camera with me as your co-host, uh, mm -hmm. is is running. Yeah. Okay. And we did have a chase scene here. Well, there's lots of chase scenes in this movie. Yep. That is true. No. Yeah. But at some so, point, I'm going to need you to right. mind the no. So So Ozzy is running. He's running uh, along this culvert, and uh, Iga was driving the car behind him, going to run him over. So this 50-ish um, this laboratory scientist leaps over a chain fence and grabs onto it, dangling 40 feet above his certain death, and then pulls himself back up over the chain link fence and goes over the other side of the culvert through some bushes into a neighborhood where he gets a bike. Uh, and then uh, Dr. Uh, Mr. Igo, I just want to call him doc. He's not a doctor. He's not a doctor. He jumped out of medical school. Mr. Igo um, is driving his car behind him. So he's riding his bike and he's riding his bike. And he's riding his bike and he and he's dodging it out of traffic and he's riding his bike and he's riding his bike and then uh, he goes into a a, a um, parking lot for a, a shopping mall the shopping malls kids are where they used to have all the uh stores it's anyway like um, amazon but it's in person right. yes and you can get your stuff immediately mm -hmm. uh, but it's more expensive it's yep. it's the head back and forth i realized with mm -hmm. the yeah with the run yeah okay. yeah, yeah no. um <laughs> So he runs into this thing. He's got the, uh, I love also that you can hear Dennis Quaid trying to talk to him over the little headset. Ozzy, what's going on here, buddy? I don't know what's going Am I being punished? Like, you know, he's so good in this. He's like, so he's, great. And he's a Dennis great Quaid, actor. 90% of him on screen is him stuck in a little pod. Mm -hmm. 
and they just shoot him like from right there in the thing. It's like there's no room anywhere. He doesn't have any time to like. It's all done with face and uh, and modulating his voice. It's a really great performance. Uh, the thing I love about it is that uh, normally, in, in, especially now, um, you would just have the guy there by himself, and then you would overlay the other dialogue later. But they had uh, Martin Short was off 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 uh, off to the side um, talking into a thing which would then feed into Dennis Quaid's ear. So he would talk to Martin Short for real, like Martin Short was there. And when Martin Short was doing any of his stuff, Dennis Quaid was off screen. And so they would do, and sometimes during like in between takes, they would they would improvise a scene between Catherine Hepburn and John Wayne, because apparently Dennis Quaid does an amazing John Wayne. And this would just keep the entire, Joe Dante said this was his, his favorite set he was ever a part of. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love to hear um, that. Yeah. Um, CO saying, uh, starting late, but I support the creation of the Joe Dante Keep It In Award. Love you guys. Have a great weekend. You too, CO. Um, well, Alex said that uh, it's going to be a bowling trophy, so that $5 might be enough to like actually go to Party City and pick one of those up and just <laughs> slap um, it across. So uh, anyway, I go follows him into the um, mall and sees him and uh, uses his little silenced finger to shoot him. Um, and uh, this is where Jack Putter and Martin Short has gone to a travel agent. See, kids, travel agents were before Expedia, where you couldn't actually find anything. To, there was no internet. You couldn't so Google the, before the internet. cheap <laughs> cruises near me. You couldn't do that. Um, so anyway, he was in a travel agent. Um, and he comes out of the travel agent, and he's walking toward the elevator. Uh, and um, Ozzy, who has now been shot, um, stumbles forward. He knows he's dying, and he injects the uh, the syringe into the buttocks of Martin Short. Um, and uh, I go uh, find he's dead. I go comes and finds finds him and sees there's a guy who's been taking pictures, and he steals that guy's camera. Uh, and he also pops a balloon that a clown is using uh, to entertain a child with his syringe. Um, so uh, they use the the um. Little stuff um, like that I loved. Yeah. This. Just like he's the bad guy, so we're going to seamlessly yep. have a little kid's balloon mm-hmm. get popped here. Like, um, Martin, Martin Short goes back to his studio apartment. No, 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 sorry. He goes, he, no, he, goes to, he goes to work first, obviously. He goes to work. And the thing from his dream comes true. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, but before that, he meets Wendy Shell, who was uh, from The Burbs. Uh, who was the the trophy wife yes. across the street in the Burbs? Um, she had done almost nothing, but she had done an episode of some TV show that D- Joe Dante directed, and he loved working with her so much. He had this part written for her. No one else was going to play this part but her. I think that's so great. And she's 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 bagging groceries, and she's really really bad at it because she fills a grocery bag all the way full, and a dozen eggs go on top, and on top of the dozen eggs is a giant two-gallon glass jug of Gatorade crushing all the eggs. It's, just, it's a really cool little uh, moment that you know exactly who this person is. Someone uh, she's, who has A to D. This is relatable. She, <laughs> she, she stood up Martin Short for a date last night. Martin Short was not really happy about that. Uh, but then the woman from the horrible uh, orange-haired lady is there. All the things happen because the reason why the the, the 
prices are so high is because Dennis Quaid is using an electromagnetic mm-hmm. booster, which apparently makes all electronics nearby go haywire. He's trying to like reestablish connection, but it can't happen. So anyway, um, he, uh, he, he, um, Martin Just Short. Just like his little <laughs> face in this when he's dealing yeah. with this woman. Like, yeah, he's so lovable. I yeah. can't express yeah. it enough. But, like, but he's like, when he, he has a full on break and he starts screaming for some aspirin. Um, and they give it, he opens the bottle and just dumps all of the, and chews it. And it's just like foaming out of his mouth and he's hyperventilating. And Henry Gibson from the burbs, um, is there. It's like, Jack, Jack, you're, you're gone. Psycho on us. Come on. You got to calm down, buddy. Um, so later we see him just in the manager's office in Henry Gibson's office, trying to figure out what's going on. Um, and, uh, Dennis Quaid has gone to the optic nerve. He's going to try and establish connection by putting a little thing into the back of the eye so we can see out the eye. But the way to do that is by uh, poking the back of the eye with something that then transmits back to him. Um, and uh, I feel so bad for the bunny. That, w- that was supposed to happen to a little rabbit. And I was like, no, but that bunny didn't have anything to do. But, but yeah, but um, see, this is how Ma- I became Ma- vegan. This poor Martin- little bunny. <laughs> um, I wasn't going to eat the bunny, um, but the 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 um, nice to animals. The uh, he he starts screaming about how uh, his eye has been uh, poked with a white hot sewing needle. He says, um, but they, they he's covering it up, and they open it up, and so that Jess Quake can see out. And he's like, "Wait a minute, who is this people? Who are any of these people?" Oh, be a son of a bitch. I'm in a strange man in a strange room surrounded by strange people. What's going on here? I'm supposed to be in a bunny. What's going on? Ozzy, are you there? And so he that he takes plotting course to inner ear. So that's how he's able to, um, to the, there's an autopilot system that has like reconfigured itself from a rabbit to a human so that it can do that automatically, which is really planning ahead. Um, they don't plan ahead at all about having multiple chips in case they lose one or one gets damaged that they could gen- re-enlarge them if they needed to they don't have they don't plan ahead that way but they do plan ahead by having if you're injected into a, a rabbit but then somehow go from a rabbit into a human, a human. um then you can then then your autopilot can update which is nice um big thing in the 80s and early 90s like just there's only one chip ever mm-hmm. in any sort of technology it's right. never backed right. up no um he uh he goes to the ear. He's so he's like, I'm gonna go see my doctor. It's like, yeah, why don't you do that, Jack? Um, so he's gonna go to his doctor, and so he goes to the inner ear and he creates a little thing so he can talk to the to the person. Again, I don't know why he would need to talk to a rabbit, but then again, they have made it so if you are in a human, you can do this anyway. So so he starts talking to Martin Short. Martin Short is like trying to find out who's the person who's talking to him. Um, there's this amazing scene in the waiting room with uh, on Martin Short's oh. right. It's Joe Flaherty, and on his left, it's Andrea Martin from SCTV, two of his best friends and and, and former co-stars. Uh, and it was a great scene. Um, and so this just talk keeps talking to me like, no, no, I'm I'm not out there. I'm in here. I'm inside you, inside your body. And it's one of the funniest things in any movie to me is Martin Short standing up, realizing, standing up. My God. Somebody help me. I'm possessed. <laughs> it's it's so good. So, so I think good. this is my favorite scene in the movie. And I love 
watching Martin Short start to calculate everything, especially because we've established she's a hypochondriac. Yeah. So having these interactions in the in the waiting room of him asking another guy, like, um, were you talking to me? And he's right. like, no. And then turning to uh, the lady and saying, uh, did you like, did you hear that? And she's like, hear what? Mm-hmm. Um, like seeing the him do the math on his face before we get to that line makes that right. line so much better. So um, and he's just, oh, I just, the whole movie, I just want to hug this guy. He's so sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, his, his facial expressions of this are just so brilliant. It's just like right. you see his eyes getting wider and like, what is yeah. happening to me? Um, so he's, so this, um, so Dennis Quaid is piloting this thing throughout the entire body. This is the one thing I have in order to get from place to place. He ends up like using a little laser to sever the walls of, of veins and organs. And he doesn't, he doesn't turn, he doesn't, (laughs) he doesn't turn around and then reseal them with a different laser that they can like seal things back up. So is he is Martin Short just slowly bleeding to death internally for the duration of this movie? Because <laughs> there's so many times where he just severs a, a a a vein so he can like get in and out of it. But they, sh- I I believe small incisions like that the body will will close up on their own. But I would have liked them for them to explain that to me at, at some point because I felt really bad about. There's all of these. There's also places where he like gets from one place of the body to another place really fast. Um, and I wonder how how many arteries he would have had to sever. You know what I mean? Um, there is like um, it is unequal in that we get the physical ramifications of him being behind the eye, and then right. the navigation mm-hmm. stuff. We mm-hmm. we don't get that. Uh, right. Very. It is very impressive though how this stuff was shot especially for the late 80s like these navigation oh. through the body scenes are really it's, really great it's and Dennis Quaid's so much fun in this he's like yeah he walks this very good line of being like a guy on a mission inside the body mm-hmm. and um navigating that he was supposed to be in a rabbit and just being right. the rest of the character that he was in the beginning of this movie to get right. to this point like it's, right. it all comes together really nicely and all this yeah now, Michael Dammit says cauterization. That'd be fine if they actually ever show him cauterizing anything because they never do. Um, yeah. But um, so um, so uh, he's talking to his doctor about he's thinks he's possessed or whatever, and he can hear the voice talking about God because he shines a light into his ear and blinds Dennis Quaid, and he says, oh, God! Um, so he's not talking about God. I think you might be having some kind of theistic hallucination, really theistic hysteria. But well, what what do you do for that? And I love this line. The doctor's so great at it. He says, well, the medieval school of thought, the medieval remedy was to flay the skin off your body with brands of fire. I have no idea what the current thinking is, which is just a wonderful doctor thing to say. Um, but uh, he goes home. He goes home and he's going to go to his little tiny studio apartment Um and uh, and this is where he starts talk- he starts talking to Dennis Quaid again, who's recovered from being blinded. Uh, and Dennis Quaid uh, needs him to listen to him, so he uses the electromagnetic magnetic booster to blow up his TV and his VCR. Um, uh, and uh, then 
like you understand that I am inside you. Yes. And so there's this uh, this really interesting little thing. It's like, you don't work at the lab, do you? No, I work at Safeway. You don't know anything about miniaturization or anything? No. See, all I know was I was supposed to be injected into the body of a laboratory rabbit. And somehow I was inside a syringe. And now I'm inside you. And then there's a scene they never they never show us, which is Martin Short explaining to Dennis Quaid, yeah, some guy stumbled out of an, uh, an elevator in the mall and jabbed me with a syringe. That must be how you got inside me. Oh, yeah, that guy, he's dead now. And 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 Dennis Quaid having to react to how his friend Ozzy is dead. And also, that's the guy who would know the most about how to get him out of this situation, and that's gone now. That is the one scene I think the movie could have benefited from, is Definitely. that particular exchange of dialogue. Um, but um, so... They know that he's Jay Putter because they have a, a picture of him being injected with the thing. And so uh, find him, Mr. Igo. And so Igo has a henchman who doubles as a, uh, a delivery guy who shows up uh, and decides, he's like, hey, there's some cruise tickets for you. Um, uh, can, I, can I use your phone? And he just walks into his apartment. And Dennis Quay's like, this guy's not a real delivery driver. And sure enough, the guy pulls a gun on Martin Short. And so Martin Short's like, grab it. Martin Short, listening to Tuck Pendleton, is now a He-Man, which is great. Uh, he grabs the gun, kicks him in the balls, hits him in the back of the head with the gun, but runs away. I've um, never rooted for anyone so hard in my life. Like, I was so behind so this. It's so sweet. And um, I just love... You wouldn't believe somebody that was telling you this anyway, but I love right. that they went out of their way to establish that he's a hypochondriac. Like, because it's... Mm-hmm. It, you know it's Boy Cried Wolf from the beginning. Right. Like yeah. nobody would rightfully entertain that this is something that could happen, but it's just it, it makes all the immediate dismissals so so kind right. of great in this. But yeah. Um. But uh. So he's because he's his heart's pumping so fast, and uh, un- unfortunately, uh, Dennis Quaid had just been like somewhere near the spleen. It would have been fine, but no, he was in an artery, so he's being pumped very hard back to the heart to the vent. There's a really cool thing of like him like do not enter heart. Do not enter heart, says, says the submersible to him. And so he's able to find a way to get out by, again, cutting a tiny little hole in the side of the artery and piloting the the thing through it. And I feel like that's really close to the to the ventricle of the heart. I feel like there's, you shouldn't have bleeding there. But anyway. Um, he, he, it's he's so like, cool how they established the relationship with the body, though. Like, it, it's, yeah. it's really, really cool of just, like, what it's happens great. physically. Yeah. Um, he goes... Uh, they take him to this um, the uh, another the, back to the lab, um, and there's you meet another scientist who was caught in traffic and didn't make it to the miniaturization. So thank he, he's uh, but he's another guy. He's Doctor Niles, and um, and so they're they're talking. The Martin Short explains what's going on, and so they're trying to figure this out. And so then they're like, uh, "Could you excuse us a moment?" So Doctor Niles and Pete. Um, they, the nemesis of Dennis Quaid could go and talk. And then they stand. So he's like, you stand over there. I'll try and like boost the signal. Just look straight at him. And so they can both hear from them far away. And they realize, well, listen, uh, only uh, until 9am tomorrow when he's going to run out of oxygen, we got it. We got to figure out a way to get him back. The other chip's been stolen. Yeah, but we don't need that chip says Pete. All we got to do, make your duplicates. We'll figure out how to get him out of there. He'll be dead by then. But what does it matter? He knew the risks. Um, and, uh, and so, uh, so Dennis Quay's like, ah, oh, thanks Pete. And so he, uh, he runs to, to Pete's lock to, 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 to Tuck's locker, gets his jacket, his flight jacket, 
and gets in his, his Mustang and drives away. Um, and he's like, please, just whatever you do, don't accidentally cause an embolism in there and go, oh, sorry. Like, no, I'll be, we'll be fine. We'll be good. We'll be okay in there, kid. Um, so then they drive uh, from there. They've gotten away from the, from the scientists and they've got, they're gone to, uh, to Tuck's house because Tuck needs a drink. That seems to be the only reason they go to that house. Yes. Is, that's could've honestly the only reason else. they could have gotten a drink anywhere else. And also, this is my quibble about getting a drink. You brought in, he brought in with him a suitcase, a metal suitcase um, that has a bunch of cassette tapes and a Walkman, which he uses throughout the thing, and an empty flask. You could have brought in some whiskey or something in the flask, right? Or does that... Does, it, does liquid not shrink the way other things shrink? They could have explained that to us. But the thing that he says is like, you have to have a drink or I can't have a drink because I'm going to like use something to like, ex- yeah. to, to like put my, my flask out there into your esophagus through a hole that I've cut in your esophagus, which feels also bad. Um, and then the, 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 the liquor goes down into the flask. And I'm like, were you going to have the bunny Take a pull off a bottle of Southern Comfort. Like, that's the one thing for me is. Like, oh, that's so funny! Why, I didn't think about like, that. like, you can't have a drink unless I have a drink, but you're an alcoholic, so you definitely need a drink. But you brought an empty flask with you. It would be a really cool if, like, he'd open it up and go, "Oh crap, I forgot oh, to fill no. the flask." All right, Jack, I'm gonna need some help from you. Like, there's no. It seems like this is Plan A. That the we need to get the bunny drunk so I can get a buzz. Like this feels like a thing that should should have been dealt with somewhere along the line. Um, but uh, Martin Short has zero tolerance. Um, so uh, they that's why they the did the scene for real. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like um, um, they said. Also, Martin Short choreographed the dance himself. He did so many takes of this um, and did all of this as his own thing. Uh, they're um, what a gem! I love hearing twist, all that. Twisting the night away by Sam Cooke. They make they make Dennis Quaid into a huge Sam Cooke fan. Uh, it just feels arbitrary. I don't know why, but it's a it's a perfectly that guy's got some great songs, so that's yeah, why he's a Sam Cooke fan. But anyway, uh, he's dancing around to it, um, and uh, he's he just collapses. The other thing is that if you ever see inside the pod the 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 video that Dennis Quaid sees, um. They when they film him, that's there. They didn't overlay that later. That's there. So every every scene, they had to do an extra take with Martin Short wearing a helmet cam, so that you would see Holy what's God. going throughout of his thing. So that when Dennis Quaid looks and sees stuff, you can actually Magic. see that. So he had to mirror so it almost. He had to mirror like exactly, it, yeah, all the time. basically. Yeah, it's great. Jeez. Um, uh, that's so anyway, cool. so this is. Um, uh, he's uh, just, we're going to need a lot more help. I need you to go and find uh, my uh, Lydia, um, who is an investigative reporter and uh, knows that there's been uh, a murder and that there's been a break in at Vector Scope. And uh, we don't know what they're working with, but the cowboy's in town. And uh, her editor is just always confused who the hell is the goddamn cowboy? Um, and uh, and so the cowboy we meet, that's Bob Bacardo, again, another one of Joe Dante's players. Um, and I believe he's supposed to be Israeli. I think that's what he's supposed to be. The, 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 the accent is wonderful because you cannot place it. 
it's just generally foreign. Um, but I, I'm not, he's definitely from that area. Um, and, uh, and they, that the ridiculous wig, that's a kind of a very short Afro thing that he wears, but everything is, a, he always talks about, you know, is all, ah, there's nothing like a good cigar. Hey, amigo. And he was not at all Mexican. Uh, is very, very funny. Um, but he's, he's a fence who buys and, and sells stolen property. Um, so that's, that's his thing, but he's a very funny character. Um, so, uh, Martin Short meets, uh, Lydia has to try and convince her of things so they can get him blah, 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 but never actually tells her anything. Cause I guess Tuck doesn't want to worry her. Um, so they go to, they go to lunch and, uh, uh, <laughs> Jack is very bad at trying to be a tough person who's telling her what to do. Um, so he has to take a break to go, to go pee. Uh, and while in, while he's talking to, to talking to, to Tuck while peeing into a urinal and, uh, and this other guy walks by him and goes, play with it, pal, but don't talk to him. And, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, a very funny line. Um, and, uh, but on his way back, he is kidnapped, taken prisoner by Mr. Igo. And, uh, then Matt, Matt, Meg Ryan stands up. She's got a, this is a taser gun and I will shoot you. And I don't know what she, why she thought she was going to shoot through Martin Short, who's being held directly in front of Igo. Uh, so she shoots and hits Martin Short and just, yes, that's great. Um, and this is another one of my favorite things. Uh, so he's knocked out by the taser. Igo takes him, they leave. Um, and uh, they're um, assisted by accident. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yes. Um, there's a so the the, the continuity uh, person came to Joe Dante apparently months after this was released, and it's like I'm so sorry, I made such a horrible mistake. And Joe's like, "What? I I didn't notice anything." Um, when he picks up Martin Short, he puts him over his left shoulder. When he walks out of the back of the restaurant, he's over his right shoulder. And like this woman was so apologetic to me, says Joe Dante. Like like she like like that I that she had somehow like accidentally killed a pet of mine or something and i was like no it's 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 fine it's totally fine don't worry about it but it is like the it's one like major gaffe in the whole thing yeah. yeah yeah um so so i've decided he fireman carried her him mm-hmm. and then flipped yeah. it or something yeah, yeah yeah there you go um he uh he is in the habit of illegally parking his vehicle whenever he goes to kidnap somebody or kill them and this time beat him in the ass he parked somewhere he was supposed to be. He came out and it was being towed. So he's got to, like, this is one of those things of, we got to have this, the scene with the big refrigerator truck. But why would he be driving a refrigerator truck instead of just his car? Because his car was towed. It's the kind of things that, like, Jeffrey Bohm makes sure are there. Um, it's so good. And that also never happens. I loved that no. of, like, yep. there being a consequence for that. Mm-hmm. That's really, really fun. That never happens in movies. So they, um, so Lydia follows them and they take, um, Jack, um, who is, um, um, freezing in the back of this thing. Um, she, uh, so they take him to this meet right by the, the, the Golden Gate Bridge, uh, where they meet Victor Scrimshaw played by Kevin McCarthy, um, uh, who we've talked about from UHF when we watched that. Um, and, uh, he's this crazy millionaire um who's uh he like like um so we're gonna we're gonna go to the lab 
or whatever. We're gonna we're gonna take him. We're gonna take him there. Uh, do you want to ride in the limo, Mister Scrimshaw? No, I'm going to stay back here <laughs> with my friend Jack. Uh, it's great, crazy performance by Kevin McCarthy. Um, and uh, he says, um, "Nuclear weapons. Everybody's got them. Nobody's got the balls to use them." Space, you say? Space is a flop. Didn't you know that? Just a giant junkyard of debris floating in the ether. But miniaturization, Jack, that's the key. Um, so that's what he's going to basically sell this thing I to the highest bidder. I was wondering if there was like a something cutesy happening there. Of It felt like we had been through movie fads of that. Of like, yeah. like was dismissing space kind of like yeah. the genre's. Right, been done to death or whatever it was kind of sure. like I was thinking about that if it was like yeah. cutesier than maybe it looked on the the surface. So, um, uh, Tuck can see through Jack's eyes that the the back door is not locked, and it's just flopping there. So you're gonna jump up, you're gonna run out, you're gonna push open the doors, you're gonna jump out of the back of the truck, and uh, then Jack does it because whatever Tuck tells him to do, he does. Um, but it's it's still moving at a quite a rate of speed and, and Jack almost falls out of the door. Um, another thing I love is they show several times Mr. Igo driving the truck has uh, very hair music, uh, hair rock <laughs> blasting in his in his in his Walkman. So he can't he can't hear that he needs to stop the truck when when Kevin McCarthy's like, Igo, stop the truck again. You've taken that part out of it, so I don't have to go. Now why wouldn't he hear? No, because he's wearing the Walkman. Um, so there's an amazing stunt sequence here where Meg Ryan is trying to get Jack to jump into the vehicle. Uh, and uh, because he is who he is, he can't just jump. He's, he's, but it's, it's really great. It's a lot of fun. There's like a motorcycle that goes between his legs as he's standing with one foot on the windshield of the, of the convertible and one leg on here. It's great. So much fun. But they eventually get him to drop in there. Uh, um, Martin Short did a couple of the stunts himself. They like... Um, ran like bars up the pant leg that so like he they were they were so stiff and like they were attached to his legs so he couldn't have fallen over even if he wanted to so but they were actually it's interesting to have like martin short doing some of his own stunts anyway that's so he takes so much pride in it that's so cool like so they uh they get away and now uh they're gonna go and try and find the cowboy who always stays at the same hotel and um, he, they, they, they found him. Uh, he's always goes to the same nightclub. He never sleeps. Uh, so they go there. Uh, so they, they try and like spy on him. And Wendy's there. Uh, and who immediately thinks that Jack now is uh, the coolest because he's wearing a, a, a fashionable sport coat. And there, what happened to you? Literally, he put on a fashionable he put sport on coat, a jacket. Yeah, that's it. Um, yeah. This is. Uh, this is very fun because it's it's uh, Meg Ryan uh, pretending to have the hots for for the cowboy and not. Um, uh, while uh, Wendy Shaw says, "My life just sucks. I mean, I'm a total <laughs> mess. I mean, you're the only guy at the supermarket I haven't slept with, and you're the only one I'm remotely attracted to." And and but but anyway, she's great. She's um, so good. She's so good. Um, so the so. The cowboy takes Meg Ryan back to the hotel and uh, uh, Jack is going to follow um, in the car. Um, uh, but uh, so he and Tuck are arguing about how much um, uh, 
uh, Jack has the hots for Meg Ryan, because why wouldn't you? How could you not? That's the other thing about it is that it's a perfect casting because, like, especially if you're Jack, like, this is the closest you've been oh, to a, yeah, a woman. Like and, but she's also just like, you know, it's, it's so everything. Yeah, it's actually, and they also really wonderfully uh, explain why she is so beautiful is that uh, the little overbite that gives her mouth this pouty expression. And I've never actually had that explained in that way, but the way that like Jack would totally say it like that is like, she's got this beautiful um, mouth or really nice smile, whatever. No, he, he distills it down to the overbite that causes it because that's this guy. That's yeah. this guy. Um, so, uh, so he, he is being having his adrenal gland stimulated by Tuck so that he is like really raring to go. And uh, he, he runs up it's like wrong door, wrong door, Jack. And then he turns to the left. That's an exit. Come on, control it. Come on in. There. So he <laughs> kicks in the door and he knocks out the, 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 um, the cowboy with one punch. And I feel like what they need, what they're supposed to do is the cowboy is meeting with Scrimshaw early tomorrow morning, like seven in the morning. So just follow him there. And then, and then when he leaves, then try and get what he's got because he'll have the chip with him then. If he's supposed Careful. to. So instead of that, he knocks out the, the, the cowboy. And then this is where he goes, all right, can you look look at him? Just, re- just really look at him. All right, I'm going to map his face. And then like, now go look in the mirror. What are you doing? Um, I'm going to simulate your, the nerves in your face to make you look like a different person. And I'm like, no. The whole thing is the movie has earned this because all of the other things in the movie have gotten pro- progressively more and more out there. But um, it is it is very funny to me that I'm bridged too far. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, but it's it's a really cool little thing where they they have Robert Picardo, um, wearing a wig to look like Jack's hair, uh, and Meg Ryan is totally freaked out by this. Uh, but no, it's me. It's me. It's Jack. Be. Yes, it should be. Yeah. Um, and then they do this thing where like they're trying to pull the face and like move it around. It's like, and that was not prosthetics. That's just Bob Picardo's rubbery face, uh, which is very fun. Um, and uh, and so they decide they're going to go and infiltrate the uh, this this place, uh, um, Kevin McCarthy's uh, home. Um, and they do, but they don't at all question why the cowboy has brought his sister-in-law, Meg Ryan. Um, and, uh, it's, it is a, a very fun scene because it, it is now Robert Picardo playing Martin Short, playing the cowboy. And it's a really fun scene. Like that, that guy is really great, Bob Picardo. Um, but he's trying to like do a really bad accent that like as Martin Short would try and do the accent and it's really bad. It's a really, it's a really great little, little scene. Um, but wouldn't you know it? Cause he's, he's just, um, his fake gold tooth falls out, which tips them off that it's definitely not him. So did anybody ever, uh, show you, um, my dear, uh, the Cowboys amazing pain tolerance. And so they're going to like use a blowtorch to cut off his hand. Um, and because that Jack has gotten so crazy, he's having a panic attack, which then causes his his face to go back from Bob Picardo to um, to Martin Short. And the special effects they 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 do with, with different prosthetic heads that they then intercut super fast to make because his head's like just doing like this, and his head is just a giant like big bullfrog 
neck at one point and then his head goes pointy. It's really cool little scene. Um, and uh, so they've now been taken taking prisoner. Um, and they know that the 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 they, they go to the to their lab and um, so this is a weird thing. They they kiss Meg Ryan and and, and Jack kiss because she now accepts that that Tuck is in there. So I guess she thinks she's kissing Tuck, but um, they pass through the saliva in the kiss. That's a that is a forceful kiss. Um, That's aggressive, yeah. And and also he would have to be sitting in the salivary glands, if not closer to the actual mouth, to be able to move through in this way. Um, but we just go, you know what? It's 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 this movie. I suppose that's okay until he d- d- goes back again. Like he has to have like just been just setting up shop, just camping in the salivary glands at two points in this movie, which we never see him talk about. Uh, but anyway, he gets transferred into Lydia, and he's in there, uh, and he finds uh, a fetus. Um, I don't know how he got from the the back of the mouth uh, to the uterus. Uh, just, just, just through the deciding system and... <laughs> just, just feels like that that doesn't connect like you'd have to go down the esophagus again cut away out of the esophagus then through the rest of like the 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 cavity of the of around here and then just cut another hole in the there's there's not a lot of ways you could get into the uterus from the mouth is what is my thing like you got to like really specifically go there and do that um but okay so now he realizes that um uh, that Liddy is pregnant with his kid, and now he's. This is probably the moment where he changes. He's never going to have another drink again because that's what they do in movies. Um, that's uh, how addiction works. Yes, in the eighties. <laughs> yes. So, um, I I have a question because the way she says things are different now when she uh, when she leaves him, it was she, did she know she was pregnant then? How far along is she now? It's two months from the um two since months they, later. They, they last yeah. they, they they last uh uh consummated their relationship. Uh I wondered did she get pregnant then or was she pregnant before? How far along is she? Uh because it, certainly Meg Ryan is not there's no baby bump with me with Meg Ryan. No. Um so I don't know I mean, if she's two months along, is she three months along? I don't know. Who knows? Anyway, um so now he's gonna change everything because he sees the baby. Um, uh, so they realize that they're, that they're back and forth. Uh, so they switch him back and now he's back, but, oh, they miniaturize Mr. Igo in his own little, like, submersible suit. It's got like drills and claws and stuff on it. He's going to find the pod, eliminate the driver, take control of the pod, and then, uh, pilot out the pod through a tear duct or something. And then Scrimshaw says, no, once he's in the pod, let's just re-enlarge. While it's still inside Mr. Putter, yeah. Do you have any idea of the mess that would make? And and uh, Dr. Kanker, uh, who's got the hots for Igo, by the way. We see her um, uh, and Igo yes. having a little a little tryst with some wine. Um, he takes a, cor- a corkscrew off of his little... He's got a lot of attachments for his hand. He takes the corkscrew off and puts on a um, marital aid of some kind it is uh is very briefly seen but that is definitely what he puts on the end of his uh wrist anyway um so 
this is a really uh, fun little scene because it, it it it's really well shot. It's a it's a cool action uh, chase thing. They have shrank all the bad guys to fifty percent their size, so everyone's like between two and a half and three feet tall. Um, and Margaret, Doctor Kanker, and uh, <laughs> and um, <laughs> Mister Scrimshaw are now very, 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 very small. Um, uh, and they uh, are able to get out when the when the cops show up. Uh, they get out and uh, they hide in the back of this car that Martin Short and um, and Lydia are driving. And I do not, I, I watched it back a few times, Joe Dante describing how they shot this. This this was all shot practically. They just had force perspective of how far back Jeez. from the camera the back seat actually is. It, they made the back seat bigger, right? There's obviously like the the the, the stuff that's going that you can see out the back windshield that's all superimposed but in the car everything is practical so that's Whoa. actually fiona lewis who plays dr canker and kevin mccarthy in the back seat their actual regular size but they're so far back from the camera and everything they're interacting with is so large that they're able to attack martin short and meg ryan from behind while it looks like they've just been superimposed there Everything is entirely, Jeez. entirely practical. Uh, it's like this the is opposite right. of the Spinal Tap Stonehenge. Right. So. <laughs> right. Uh, but everything. That's everything incredible. Along, yeah. Everything is done in, in a totally practical way, um, which is amazing. And that's why they won the, 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 the Oscar. Um, so while they're having this chase scene, while they're driving at a crazy rate of speed through San Francisco, being attacked from behind by two very, very small uh, miniaturized people. Um, uh, at that same time, inside Jack, it's uh, Mr. Igo trying to uh, kill Dennis Quaid. Um, and Dennis Quaid really can't do much of anything, but he's like, here, I'm going to shoot this laser at you. Uh, I'm going to... one Because, uh, oh, his turbo thrusters have been disabled. Igo's like claws rip out all the little hydraulic stuff, so now he can't move. He can't actually go anywhere. He's just stuck. Um, so very clever, all this. Yeah, um, I go. Uh, they he's just like like I don't know, a cattle prod or something. Get shoved into like the the thruster of Igo's suit. It's like it's not a pod like what Dennis Quaid is in. It's vertical, and he's inside it. Like, like it's like yeah. a mech suit. It's like a mech suit. Um, but his thruster gets disabled. Because he gets shot with like a, some kind of cattle prod gets stuck up inside it. And so he falls away, like eject, eject. So now he's like in like this very advanced scuba suit with a jetpack on the back. This is the thing is that, that Joe Dante wanted the, the bad guys to be incredibly well-funded because they have no problem stealing money to right. make everything really well done. That and makes then like sense. The, the actual scientists are they're basically trying to run this thing out of, a, out of an office park. And it's just not working out for them. Um, so I go is trying to use the a drill to drill into the to the air tanks to finally kill him. Um, and uh so <laughs> the uh so Dennis Quaid gets into the uh opening of the stomach and tells Jack that he saw a tumor somewhere in there. 
So his ulcer starts going crazy and then he just releases and drops into the stomach acids. And, and then Mr. Igo goes and turns into a skeleton. He says, uh, Jack, you just digested the bad guy. <laughs> um, so uh, Pete helps them get to the, to the lab. They're trying to figure out a way. I need you to get me out of here. You got to sneeze, Jack. I'm in your lungs. And maybe you can blow me out of there because I don't have more fluid that could boost me anywhere. Um, so he, uh, he, he, we, we, we established earlier that he's uh, allergic to hairspray. So he's like, please, somebody give me some hairspray. And somebody gives him something. He's like, not moose hairspray, <laughs> which is a wonderful eighties thing. Um, and so he's, he, he, he sprays some hairspray around his face. He sneezes right into the glasses of Dr. Niles. Uh, and this other guy, uh, sees him there with the little, microscopic glasses and he and he uses tweezers to pull, pull him off pull of the out. thing <laughs> and then and then uh they re-enlarge him and hey he's fine yay, yay! no no damage um, no damage at all uh he gets to he has a a, a moment uh with linda uh linda linda lydia not linda not me no it's not, not me linda. at all uh no uh lydia says uh, why didn't you tell me and she doesn't say anything because the reason the reason I didn't tell you is because you're an alcoholic, and I really wasn't sure if you always wanted you to raise my my, my child. Um, but uh, but anyway, the next thing is uh, the wedding, uh, which had to have happened very fast because again, Lydia's still not showing. This is not um, this is happening right, very quickly. Um, the limo driver is uh, is the cowboy. You can tell because he's wearing cowboy boots, um, and uh, <laughs> and. Kevin McCarthy and Dr. Kanker are inside uh, a suitcase in the back. Um, and, uh, and so there he, cause Dennis Quaid is wearing the chips as cufflinks. And I feel like he shouldn't have been allowed to do that. Uh, no, seems bad. <laughs> it seems like seems a, not bad. a good thing. Um, so uh, uh, Jack, who is the best man, um, uh, like sends them off on their honeymoon, but then realizes, Oh my God, that was the cowboy. Um, uh, because, uh, everyone's like, Hey, Hey Jack, if you're not going on vacation, I could definitely use you at the store says his boss. Hey Jack, I was thinking we could try dating says Wendy, not exclusively at first, at least for me. Um, and then, uh, the doctor says, uh, you know, I'd like for you to come, come back around to the office. Maybe we'll run some tests on you. And he says, doc, I'm cured. Wendy, not a chance. And, uh, Mr. Wormwood. Thanks. And I quit. And then he runs, jumps in the back of the Mustang, and the Mustang says, Jack Putter to the rescue! And he drives off. Um, and this is a very, very fun little ending. Uh, Jack has gotten over all of his stuff, and he is going to rescue his friends uh, from the cowboy. And it'll be fun. And they should have made a sequel. They sh- this is a rare one. <laughs> this is a rare one. This is a rare one where it begged for a sequel, and there should have been one. Um I don't know if I've ever rooted for anybody other than Eddie Kingston. I don't know if I've right. ever rooted for anybody as hard as Jack in my life. Like yeah. he's, he's so easy to get behind in this. It's so much fun. Um, but just a gem of a, a performance and you just, you, you, you want it all for him. you want it all for him. And just the, the incredible balance of his vulnerability with the physicality of the relationship with somebody inside him it's just like oh just just magic like a lot of the stuff we do that we end up like keeping in um yeah 
relies a lot on the performances of, of some of these guys. And this is definitely one of them because it's such a, a wacky little idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this is, uh, it, it works entirely uh, based on the, the relationship between all these characters. Um, you are, um, is root for, for Martin short so much, but like, it's, it's, it's this weird little, um, like it's basically it's it that Tuck becomes his Jiminy Cricket, like trying to like yes. teach him like to like to like go <laughs> and like get better, make the right decisions and all this kind of stuff, which is kind of funny because then Tuck has made all wrong decisions in his entire life, and him like, like that I can tell you how to do something, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And I like yeah. that you see Martin Short's confidence grow of like yeah. he had the one fight scene and then he had the next yeah. scene. like it's a a reasonable not a lot of reasonable things in such a mm-hmm. weird movie, but like you, it, it's an even trajectory a little bit with that. It's, it's yeah, very fun agreed. to get yeah. to the ending of. Um, so uh, yeah, this is, this is a, it's as, as, as sci-fi action comedies go, this has got to be one, one of the best. Yes. Um, this is cause... much like Meg Ryan with her baby. I'm keeping it. Okay. <laughs> keeping the flick in. Putter, don't preach. I'm in trouble. <laughs> deep. Um, uh, Feeling Dreepy says this podcast could probably survive on just Joe Dante movies for months because his good movies are great and his bad movies are just disappointing. Um, like, yeah, she, he he doesn't have, they're all, all great. Um, <laughs> what stinkers does he have? I mean, Small Soldiers wasn't fun, but that was a kid's movie. Um, like, eh, I mean, there's not not a lot of great stuff in his latter years, but like the early stuff is all really excellent. It's all very high risk stuff. So you're bound to get some stinkers in that, right? Like it's, he's, yeah. it's extremely ambitious. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, uh, I had not heard of Amazon women on the moon, um, but that might be, uh, Oh, that's, it's a, it's a, it's an anthology. So it's like, he's got one of the, one of the, the different stories is directed by him. Three. Oh, okay, okay. I don't know. Oh, interesting. Um, so, uh, yeah, Joe Dante, uh, three for three. Undefeated. Joe, good for you. Three keep, successful keep defenses here. Three, three <laughs> undefeated, uh, undisputed. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much. Uh, for, oh, wait, I wanted to do this real quick. Um, I've been doing figures and stuff, but these are actually Joe Dante related. I got a little, a little gizmo. Uh, oh. See, it's a little gizmo, and he comes with a with a Santa hat. It's a little gizmo. See, every That's really cool. every movie we do, or some movies that we do, makes me lose more and more respect for Furbies. Between this and the Yeti, yeah. between Gremlins two, and I was like, "You lazy Furby designer." And then this is the brain Gremlin from the oh oh cool looking. Yeah, it's really cool. I I got those, and I was like, "Yep, those are going on the shelf some point." Anyway, thanks everybody. Hey, bored dude. Uh, congratulations! Hell yeah! Uh, good, good for you, bored dude. Six thirty, uh, three weeks long. My sporty sobriety. That's awesome. More than uh, we can uh, say for Tuck. Yeah, more than we can say for Tuck, who is definitely not. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, congratulations! Uh, we'll, that rules. Um, uh, so we're gonna get a little early start next week on Schlocktober. Uh, I'm making Kate watch the movies this this year. Because she's proved she can handle it. She watched Cocaine Bear, so I she's did. proved she can handle it. I'm so a big girl. I'm I I found 
movies that I know she can handle. We are going to watch them together this year. I'm no like spooky this. buddies. No spooky buddies for Kate. We are going to watch them like this. She's just going to watch them just like that. So we're going to start early next week. We started with, we did inner space this, this week. Next week, we're going to have something coming from outer space. Dun, dun, dun. Until then, we'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye. Have a good weekend. Bye. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Click the subscribe button and find out what it means to me. Nah, that doesn't have a ring to it. But if you like videos about real news stories that are funny, stupid, or weird, subscribe now.